Last month, Alenco and Ducks Unlimited announced a partnership to emphasize the strong bond between environmental sustainability and agriculture, specifically beef cattle production, across North America. Over the next two years, Alenco will invest $50,000 annually with Ducks Unlimited to help purchase grass seed to support reseeding efforts on working lands in western Kansas, enough to reseed at least 1,000 acres during the course of the project. The Grassland Restoration Initiative is part of the existing State Acres for Wildlife Enhancement, or SAFE, project. That's an existing collaboration between the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Farm Service Agency and Ducks Unlimited with the goal of restoring grasslands and protecting embedded playa wetlands in western Kansas. Now you might be asking, how does this partnership relate to the sustainability of beef cattle production exactly? And what is one of the world's leading animal health companies doing to help producers address consumer concerns about the overall environmental impact of livestock and meat production? Welcome to Feedstuffs In Focus, our podcast taking a deeper look at the big issues in the livestock, poultry, grain, and feed industries. I'm your host, Andy Vance. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we talk with Dr. Sarah Place, Alanco's Chief Sustainability Officer, to answer those questions and to get her take on ways the beef industry has improved its sustainability in recent years, as well as how producers can better communicate those improvements to a highly engaged consuming public. Prior to joining Alanco, Dr. Place worked as Senior Director of Sustainable Beef Production Research at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and was previously an Assistant Professor of Sustainable Beef Production Systems at Oklahoma State University. You know, Dr. Place, it's an interesting time as, as we're getting out in the community and getting to, to visit with producers again as the world's opening back up. One of the things that, that I think is uh, a trend that has continued through the past year and a half, maybe even in spite of all of the other challenges we've had facing our industry and our society, is this idea that consumers are more and more invested in the sustainability of things that they buy and consume. Maybe not everything all the time, but that there's this general sentiment that maybe we should pay more attention, more attention to and be more intentional in our purchasing as it relates to the world around us. So I wanted to ask you as somebody who focuses on this professionally in the beef cattle industry, what is it that Alanco is doing currently to kind of lead that effort of enhancing environmental sustainability efforts related to beef cattle production? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And that, that is a really great question and agreed. It's, it's something I think at the, the beginning of last, last year, when we started into the pandemic, I think there was a lot of thought maybe focus would kind of come off a lot of these environmental sustainability issues, but if anything, it seems like a lot of it's been enhanced. So we think about where Elenco is is looking at this issue. I mean, first and foremost, of course, a lot of what we do on a day-to-day basis is thinking about how do we make our, our customers, the cattle producers, uh, more efficient, more successful. And that's that's one of those key things of just highlighting that when you think about environmental sustainability, whether it's you know air or water quality issues or climate change in terms of uh, environmental impacts per unit of beef, a lot of the things that we can do to make businesses more successful, everything from you know, animal health programs and vaccination to uh, anything we can do to enhance growth of animals tends to lower environmental impacts per unit of production. So that's that's one of those key ways. But uh, of course, Alenka, we're also looking at this issue and saying, you know, we, we have to think about other innovative ways we can, we can tackle this problem. Um, you know, one thing that 
we're proud to have is uh, a newer product that's uh, you know, just launching here that actually has an environmental claim uh, called Xperior. Uh, and then other investments that we've looked at of, you know, how do we how do we demonstrate responsibility here from a from a societal benefit perspective? And uh, we've partnered with Ducks Unlimited, as you're aware of, of course, on this program to conserve acres and to to restore uh, wetlands in in areas that are really important to the beef cattle industry. So a multifaceted approach, but ultimately we see that. You know, our cattle producer customers, they're the real stewards here. And, and mainly our focus is how can we help them maintain good practices and where possible improve further. I want to come back and talk more about Xperior later. We'll, we'll get to that. And and you mentioned the partnership with Ducks Unlimited. I was tickled to moderate a panel discussion with you and, and a couple of beef producers at our sister publication, Beef. Uh, we hosted a webinar a couple months ago on this topic of sustainability and what the industry is doing. And if folks miss that, webinar, I would highly encourage them to go over to beefmagazine.com and, and search for that webinar hosted by Alanco and, and watch that. I'll, I'll include a link in the show notes for this podcast episode as well, but it was a really good conversation and also had a chance to hear from Adam Putnam and Jeff Simmons, the, the CEOs respectively of uh, Ducks Unlimited and Alanco talking about that partnership between you know, a conservation organization like Ducks Unlimited and Alanco. It was a really neat partnership. And, and like I say, I'll include the notes uh, to that the, in the show notes, the, the webinar link, so you can go back and watch that. But I wanted to focus on that, that producer side of things. You were talking in that webinar with me uh, to a couple of producers in the cow-calf sector, as well as the feedlot sector. And one of the things that, that I was really curious about for the producers listening to us today is, is there any low-hanging fruit out there, maybe maybe quick wins that we can rack up in our operation to advance sustainability efforts? I think sometimes maybe we think about this as being this kind of like big Herculean effort as opposed to saying, okay, what are the tangible, manageable things I can do in my operation? Or maybe if I'm already doing a lot of good things, how can I elevate my efforts and maybe tell that story in a better way to the public? Yeah, absolutely. So that, that and that last piece, right, is really key. Of I, I think a lot of folks are doing things, have made changes, um, you know, that that probably they weren't thinking. Well, I could communicate this out into a sustainability uh, message, but they really could, right? So everything from on the ranching side, you know, changes in how cattle have been grazed or managed, or for example, you know, if you're you're in cropping as well, and you know, using cover crops, that's obviously something that's gathered a lot of uh, public attention, but just highlighting those realities um, of, you know, you could you could go down a list of, hey, we've, we've put in different fencing and kept animals out of streams. We've put in, you know, a solar powered uh, a fencer, right, or things that have been done for water conservation um, on a ranch. There's so many things, the day-to-day activities that folks are doing that, again, from a standpoint of thinking about it as new or novel, they may not think it's that big of a deal, but honestly, those little anecdotes do go a long way in terms of really connecting the dots for the general public of, oh, so this is a day-to-day activity that folks are doing, right? Um, Same thing on more of the cattle feeding side, right? Everything that's been done in the industry to become more efficient at using feed resources and converting it into beef. And even to the, the standpoint of, you know, if you've made upgrades or improvements on, you know, equipment and getting more fuel efficient or even rerouting your daily tasks to try to save diesel or any, any other things that have taken place from that very, again, practical standpoint, 
often have those connections to environmental sustainability. So those are really the great ones where we can highlight is ultimately it's, it's actions that make sense from a business bottom line that are also likely saving natural resources, right? Saving time and money uh, and being able to connect that and put it in the, the societal terms, whether it's emissions or, or savings of feed or whatever it may be um, to the general public. I love how you put that because that's been my observation in covering stories related to sustainability in the farm. So many of those things actually have a bottom line benefit to the producer, like you cited the example of feed efficiency or an example of, of fuel efficiency. If you're, if you're doing uh, on the crop side, you know, I think about that when, um, you know, our, our family operation, hey, if we're making fewer passes across the field, that's, that's ultimately good, not only for you know, the soil and compaction and so on, we're, we're probably producing maybe a better crop because we're treating the soil a little better and, and we're doing it while saving fuel, which is not an inexpensive input. And, and so it's, you know, that to me is the kind of win-wins maybe that we're looking for, right? If it benefits the, the producer operation and also has these kind of real tangible sustainability because um, we're helping the economic sustainability picture as well. Do, do you see folks kind of does the light bulb go on more and more both in the industry and outside the industry that you can do better by doing good? I think so. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's especially important within the industry and anytime or, you know, rightly so people are still a little bit skeptical about this topic or think maybe it's, it's kind of a, you know, just a, a flash in the pan. I think that that worldview is probably <laughs> diminishing just because there's been so much talk about this, but we have to lead with the fact that you have to be economically viable, right? And we shouldn't shy away from that. Um, we shouldn't shy away from that in any discussion, right? Because I think I think people can understand that in their own life. And again, especially as we've gone through this crazy last year of you know the practical realities that people don't expect anybody to be perfect, but we can say, hey, there's all these opportunities for us to do the right thing, and um, that's fairly intuitive, uh, I think, to most folks that especially the example you gave, right? Just the, the fewer passes example, that's a clear win-win. Um, and I think that that connects, obviously, for folks that are living it every day, the agriculturalists, but it makes sense to the general public as well. When we talk about the general public, you know, we talked about how we as producers maybe communicate the story better, more effectively to the consuming public. You know, I was kind of thinking over the past year, none of us were flying, at least with the frequency that we used to. You and I both spent a lot of time on the road in our respective professions. I didn't rack up any frequent flyer miles last year whatsoever. And and it occurs to me that we uh, in the beef cattle industry might very readily look around and say, boy, these uh, climate influencing emissions are coming from, I don't know, airplanes and trucks and these kind of other uh, sources, if you will. While the consuming public, some percentage still looks and says, yeah, 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 but cow farts. So what are the biggest misconceptions about the industry and its environmental impact that you and your colleagues are trying to work to, to set the record straight on? Is, 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 that, is that the biggest one? I always just roll my eyes when I hear the cow fart thing, but is, is that... Is that the kind of misconception or, or are there ones that aren't so, um, you know, obviously eye rolling is that that we have to fight? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think it's always good when we talk about climate change and greenhouse gases to kind of ground ourselves in some of the basic facts. And 
especially in those conversations of just pointing to reputable sources. And one would be, you know, our own environmental protection agency. They put out a greenhouse gas emission inventory uh, every every April. And, you know, to your point, we look at transportation, it varies year to year, and no doubt in 2020 it'll drop as a percent, but at least in the latest year we have, it's around 26% of U.S. greenhouse gas emissions come from all the, the vehicles on our road, right? Uh, all the light duty vehicles, trucks, cars that we drive around. So um, that's really key is that is the bigger contributor. We look at animal agriculture, all the direct emissions from animal ag, it's around 4% of emissions. And we're just going to zoom in on those cattle burps, right? Uh, of the methane, it's about 2% of U.S. greenhouse gas emissions come from beef cattle methane. So it's not nothing, right? But that gives a real sense of scale there that you know, we as an industry are going to work on keeping keeping that focus on efficiency and trying to lower these emissions because there's real benefits there if we can, right? You know, methane's a short-lived gas and even just slight reductions there can essentially, you know, lead to no further warming impacts from the cattle industry, which is real positive. But it is always good to keep that broader perspective that the elephant in the room here is not agriculture, right? When it comes from emission sources. So that's that's really the climate side. There are other issues, you know, when we think about um, the other issues that often come up in these kind of discussions, whether it's water use or other emissions, right? And so um, when we look at things like ammonia gas emissions, uh, agriculture tends to be a lot bigger uh, contributor. And just to be clear, ammonia gas it's not a it's not a greenhouse gas, but it is something that can have air quality concerns in specific areas. In the country, uh, we have a lot more pressure and interest in ammonia gas emissions, like the Front Range, Colorado, um, where where ammonia can, can form particulates in the air. But just just that background, right? So greenhouse gas emissions, agriculture is a player, but animal ag is only about four percent of U.S. greenhouse gas emissions. If we look at um, ammonia gas emissions, animal agriculture is around fifty-eight percent of ammonia gas emissions in the U.S. So it's a lot bigger percentage. And that's just the reality that ammonia gas made up of nitrogen. And as we know, right, we need nitrogen to keep agriculture working, right? It's essential nutrient. Um, but that is one of those those issues, a little bit bigger concern, at least from a percentage contribution. Yeah, and the thing about your mention of nitrogen, there kind of ties me, like I think a lot of times in the sustainability question, at least from a public perception standpoint, the focus is on methane, greenhouse gases, whatnot, but there are also all these other areas as well. We could be talking about soil health, water quality, et cetera, et cetera. So when you mention the beef cattle industry's role when it comes to ammonia gas emissions, I, I said earlier, I want to come back to Xperior. So let's do that now. It seems like a logical segue. Uh, tell us a little bit about Xperior for folks who haven't been paying attention since its launch and uh, what what that product does in this area and why I as a producer should be uh, tuned in. Yeah, so Xperior, just to, to ground everybody, it's it's the first U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved product uh, that's actually labeled to reduce ammonia gas emissions from, from an animal or its waste. So it's a very unique label claim, first, first of its kind in that way. Uh, ultimately, the, you know, just about what is it actually approved for more specifically it's approved for the reduction of ammonia gas emissions per pound of either live weight or har harvest weight in beef steers and heifers 
um, fedding confinement the last, last uh, 14 to 91 days on feed. So this is really a product that's focused on the finishing phase of cattle, the, the end of the animal's life cycle. Um, and ultimately how, how we believe the mode of action works, right? Essentially the animal consumes nitrogen in its feed, right? That's what crude protein is. Um, those animals, you know, typically, especially at the end of their life cycle, they're not retaining that much of it in their own body, right? In the form of muscle and other nitrogen containing uh, compounds in the animal's body. So it's roughly 15% retained within the animal. And that means the rest gets excreted. And actually a lot of what gets excreted from the animal in their feces and manure, uh, it, it ends up in the atmosphere as only gas. So we can lose a fair amount, sometimes even up to 30 to 40% of the nitrogen the animal eats can be lost with ammonia gas. So how this, how this product, we believe this works from a mode of action standpoint, essentially improve the, the nitrogen utilization within the animal, excrete less nitrogen from the animal, and therefore the ammonia gas emissions themselves go down, especially when expressed again per pound of live weight or per pound of hot carcass weight. When we talk about the you know, emissions, the, the impact the feedlot sector in particular has on the environment, I know you spend a lot of time boots on the ground with feedlot customers. What are some of the things you've seen in that industry that, that have shifted in the past few years due to some of these new opportunities in sustainability? You obviously have named a good one there. And now that we're seeing some products that have specific label claims related to environmental sustainability, but, but on the, the years leading up to that, uh, what, what are some of the shifts you've seen from feedlot producers to try to meet this challenge? Yeah, so I think we've definitely seen an increase in interest in this space, and it's, it's definitely changed a lot over the last decade or so. With the last few years, I think we're shifting into this new era where it is, as you mentioned, right, we're getting, we're getting to the point that one, there's actually now product solutions that are available to directly address some of these concerns and put it in the, again, the language that, that people care about, right? Like let's directly try to reduce emissions. Um, but I think there's also a lot, a lot more interest of folks saying, okay, well, how can I, how can I use this again to create value in my business, right? Obviously there are those win-wins as we started this conversation with, um, but there's also potential there, I, I think, and we'll see this develop over the coming years of, you know, is, is there a way to create value from just the, the reductions themselves, right? We know consumers are, are willing to pay and look at different even food choices uh, for perceptions of environmental sustainability. So is there a way for the industry to, to make sure that we're demonstrating this in a credible manner and essentially, you know, again, garner more value from that perspective, uh, not just the, the product attributes themselves in terms of eating experience, but how they're produced, right? And being able to demonstrate uh, demonstrate our improvements in lowering environmental impacts over time in a valuable way. I really am curious to see how, now that we've got just some products coming to play as well, what the uptake will be. So if I have you pull out your crystal ball, do you anticipate that your colleagues in R and D and in academia and so on who, who study and are constantly researching new chemistries, modes of action, things that we can do nutritionally, et cetera. Do you think we'll see more of the kind of developments like Xperior coming to help producers, you know, both have a bottom line impact and feed efficiency or maybe some other areas of animal health and well-being, but that also 
have claims related to environmental sustainability? Is that that something you would expect to see more of if you were uh, putting your bets on the R&D community? I would I would say yes, Andy. I think we're going to see a lot more interest in this space um, in terms of, hey, what, what can we actually do to directly address this? And, and ultimately, I think with all the pressure the industry is facing, I think it's a pretty logical conclusion that we're going to need more technologies and more even just like verification of management practices, right? If we get back to the ranch level, there's all this talk about carbon sequestration, but what can we actually verify and make sure that you know, ranchers, again, are getting compensated for the good work that they're doing. So for products and other solutions, I think we're just going to see a, a real rapid growth in the coming five to 10 years uh, in this space. Absolutely. And when you think about that, you know, looking ahead down the line, where do you see the industry having the biggest effect in terms of improving that environmental footprint, if you will? What are what are the things that maybe really trip your trigger or excite you most as a leader in this area of beef sustainability? Yeah, so it, it varies a little bit depending on what, you know, as we kind of mentioned, right, which one of these environmental concerns we're talking about. I think when we think about, uh, you know, just coming back to this discussion of ammonia and uh, the nitrogen cycle, I think any point along that way, of, as we think about the bigger, the bigger picture, any places where we can intervene, whether it's you know, making sure we're dialing in how we're feeding animals and new digestive enzymes and ways that we can improve digestibility of feedstuffs and then the utilization again, like akin to experience the utilization of those nutrients once the animal gets them, gets them inside its own body. Um, but any, you know, innovative ways that we can actually treat manure and pen surfaces as well, if those become economical, I think that's another great intervention point um, along with, you know, making sure we, we already do, right, use and view manure as a valuable nutrient resource, but anything we can do to enhance that, I think that's that, that key part of that story for folks of that's what animal agriculture does, right? We cycle nutrients back around, uh, back to crops. Um, so each each step along the way for, for nitrogen and quite frankly, for, uh, for, for greenhouse gas emissions too, right? We can think about interventions in the animal and trying to reduce what we call enteric methane, right, those cow burps. Um, but also genetics, right, is another, I think, a real powerful place going forward where we can uh, potentially um, permanently reduce greenhouse gas emissions from animals as we're, we're learning a lot more about, you know, the heritability, essentially, of the, the room and microbiome and, and ways that we can intervene on that front as well. So lots of areas that you know, we, can, uh, we can enhance this, but ultimately we think about you know, a lot of it comes down to feed and how the animal utilizes feed because that's that's what animal agriculture is doing, right? We're converting inedible plants and upcycling them into higher quality products. And so any ways that we can enhance that from a system perspective is, is going to be beneficial. For the latest economic news facing the food animal and animal feed production industries and how those trends and issues affect your business, Subscribe to the Feedstuffs Daily e-newsletter and join us just about daily at Feedstuffs 365 for live video content afternoons at 2 o'clock Eastern, 1 Central. That's a part of your Feedstuffs subscription. You can access Feedstuffs 365 at Feedstuffs.com. I'm Andy Vance, and you've been listening to Feedstuffs in Focus. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to hear more conversations about some of the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and feed industries, Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast, including Apple and Google, or just visit our website, feedstuffs.com, for future episodes. Until next time, have a great day.
and thanks for listening.